0: everyone and are you excited this is a good day to you know listen and hear the word of God are you excited yes. now, um, my name is Jean, I'm one of the leaders here in every nation Bahrain uh, for those of you who don't know me yet this is my family and right. yeah. see Anthony can you help me and this is my family um, and um, my name is Jean I'm one of the leaders here in uh, Every Nation. I'm part of the leadership team along with Mitch, uh, Army, Anthony, and uh, Mimi, and also my wife. And this is my family. That's my lovely wife Rose, and our uh, ultra adorable, ayan <laughs> River. Yeah, that's her name is River. That's our daughter. Um, actually, they're not with me today. Uh, Rose just had a major surgery uh, just this week. So please, uh, I'd like to ask you to pray for her as she recovers. And also pray for my, uh, no, my our daughter, River, as she grows no, in um, following Jesus as well. No? Uh, I'd like to thank the leadership team. For giving me the opportunity to uh, share to you the uh, the word today. So this is actually my first time in more than two years. Standing in front. Or one year? Yeah. Uh, since River's birthday, this is my first time standing in front to preach the gospel or preach uh, to you today. So just please bear with me. I'm a little bit... Uh, You know, nervous. (laughs) So anyway, uh, the Word of God is um, is very dear to me. It's uh, it's been part of my life. You know, uh, those of you who know me well, you know how much importance I put when it comes to God's Word in my life. You you know that. And you know how much uh, I labor also when I study... Uh, when I teach, I want to understand the Word of God, so I put much effort in uh, in studying the Word of God, and I'm thankful that God started me early in His Word. Now I will never forget my mom and my dad. They uh, they sent me to join a Bible Quiz Bee. Uh, during our in when our Uh, local church back in the Philippines now they had uh, Bible quiz me when I was six or seven years old so I didn't win the contest unfortunately but that's fine but I learned a lot of Bible stories and even memorized passages which until now really uh, changed my heart Uh, I'm also very thankful Uh, I'm married to Rose yeah. A very Christ loving Bible saturated woman so and also if you know their family Rose's family her father is a pastor and her brother is also a pastor now my in-laws they're either elders in the church or they're part of the music team or a seminary professor so just imagine what kind of conversation we are having over our dinner. It's all about the Word of God. And I'm surrounded by people who love the Word of God. And I'm also thankful that God called me here in our church community, no? That values the Word of God and preaches it in every campus, in every city, in every nation. So the Word of God has been, uh, it's, it's a, it plays a huge of my life, and maybe if I can say it, consumes my life. And I hope now, this is my prayer. My prayer is that it will also be the same for you. That's my heart. I want to impart that to you today. My prayer is that the Word of God will abide in you, and at the same time, you will abide. In the Word of God, now I love this series. Abide, now you see, you see that uh, series. Since we start our year, now we had our prayer and fasting. We've heard from our leaders from different nations about the power and the beauty of God's Word, and we hope the preaching team, you now Anthony and Mitch, you now we hope that this series has been very helpful to you. Is it very helpful? Is it helping you? Is it? Alright, that's good. So, so I I hope that it's helping you as individuals and also helping us as a church in transforming our lives and empowering us as followers of Jesus Christ. Not just, you know, more than just uh, developing a schedule. No, it's actually more than just developing a discipline or forming a habit or forming a schedule for your Bible reading every day. It's more than that. Now, what our prayer is that it you will develop the desire. It's more than the discipline, but it's the desire that you have fellowship with him through his word. You know, every time, no, not most of the time, Siguro, most of the time that we meet with our with my life group, I always tell them, you know, whenever you read the Bible, you are communing with God. It's a communion with the Lord, it's a fellowship with him through his word. And I hope that will be true to your daily lives as well right so today we're gonna be asking two questions or maybe three or maybe more now I want you but I want you to ask these two questions number one is uh, how much have I grown spiritually how much have I grown spiritually have I matured spiritually as a follower of Christ have you matured spiritually has your love for the Word of God increased? or did it decrease? And yeah. did it decrease? Or since you joined the church, or since you joined a small group, or you started one, do you have more love now for the Lord than before? Uh, you know, I can tell you that I love the Lord Jesus more this year. Than last year, because of His word. Second question: Do people see a transformed life in me? Do people see in your workplaces or in your uh, in your uh, in your campuses, your colleagues? Do strangers see a a transformed life? Do they see you uh, as? A follower of Jesus Christ. So these are the questions that we want to ask. Not just today, all right? Not just today, but over and over. now we're we're trying to evaluate ourselves, even in, during the start of this uh, message. You know, let's evaluate ourselves. Have I grown spiritually? Yesterday we're gonna look at what abiding in Christ means. Abiding in Christ. No, so. Uh, what does abiding in Christ looks like yeah. <laughs> disconnected yeah okay what does abiding in Christ mean so we're, we're gonna answer that and if you have your Bibles with you let's turn your, uh turn your Bibles to John chapter 15 so this is now the uh, fifth week of our series so last week we had a uh, In John chapter 8 I think yeah so today we're going to look at John chapter 15 so if I may ask can we stand up to as we read the Word of God and let me try this okay now it's working all right so if you're there I'll be reading in ESV John chapter 15 verse 1 to 11 I am the true vine And my father is the vine dresser. Jesus is speaking here. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Commandment and abide in his love. Last verse These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let's pray, Lord. Lord, we ask that you teach us today. Holy Spirit, help us to understand, Lord God, your word. Lord, change our hearts towards you. Lord, even myself, Lord God, I pray that you hide in, you hide me, Lord God, behind you. Lord, we just want to worship you, Lord God, and meet you even in this place as we study your word. Be blessed, Lord God, by our worship, by our hearing of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You we now take your seats. And so... Uh, yeah, this is our this is the title of the message. The word bears fruit. So in John chapter 15, let me just give you a quick background of what's happening here. You know, Jesus and his disciples. No, the eleven disciples they had just finished celebrating the Passover, all right? So they just finished the Passover in the uh, in Jerusalem. This is what Jerusalem looked like. During the time of Jesus. So that's the city of Jerusalem. That's the world city. Um, uh, they, they celebrated the Passover in the upper room. So somewhere on the bottom of your screen. No? Bottom of the city. So Judas left. right? If you remember he left. And he went to the Jewish leaders to betray Jesus. So this is what's happening. The other gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, uh, Luke, uh, they wrote that after they sang a hymn, uh, Jesus and the remaining 11 disciples, they went out to the Mount of Olives where the Garden of Gethsemane is. So that's the Garden of Gethsemane, the one encircled on the left. So they went there after they had Passover. So the distance, well the distance from the world city, within the world city to the Mount of Olives is only a Sabbath day's journey, meaning it's around 1.2 to 1.5 kilometers, just a uh, 20 to 25 kilometers or 20 to 25 minutes walk. So in our perspective, that's from Ashraf to Avenues. Yeah, 20 to 25 minutes. Or Ashraf Tower to Bab al-Baharin. So that's the distance from the world city, from the upper room to the Mount of Olives. So passing through, you know, you see the, that, 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 that line? Uh, passing through the Kidron Valley, that's the Kidron Valley, the Lord Jesus and his disciples at that time must have seen vineyards. Uh, they must have seen vineyards and olive trees alongside uh, the hillside so we know that this is a this is during the night but we know that uh, during Passover it's full moon so that's uh, uh, it's bright during that night so they see the vineyards and it was a perfect time no? definitely this was a perfect time for the Lord to help the disciples make sense of what he spoke to them during the Passover and what did Jesus tell them during the Passover he said that he would lay down his life for them he cleaned you remember he washed their feet so he was telling them I'm gonna lay down my life for you so during this time no, Jesus spoke many things not just here in John chapter 15. He spoke many things while they're on their way to, garden, to the garden. So, just imagine, no? 20 to 25 minutes. So, this is a time for a good lesson from the Lord. So, for, for example, in verses 18 to 27, Jesus said that the world will hate the disciples because... Of Jesus Christ, have you read that verse 18 and uh, 27 in chapter 16 from verses 4 to 15? He thought that the disciples that he he promised that the Holy Spirit will be given to all the believers. Again, in chapter 16, he uh, he also he also told the disciples that their sorrow will be turned into joy. So. The world will hate the disciples because of Jesus. Their sorrow will be turned into joy. The Holy Spirit will be sent to them. Jesus also affirmed that he has overcome the world. That's uh, in John chapter 16 as well. And then in uh, in chapter 17, he said, or he prayed for the disciples. That's the context of this uh, discourse, right? He prayed for the disciples and also for those who will believe In their testimonies. So we see that these words that we've read earlier, John chapter 15, these are words of comfort and assurance. These were comfort and assurance from the Lord Jesus Christ in his final hours before his crucifixion. We call this the farewell discourse. Uh, These are words of comfort. So now let's go back to the word. Now it makes a little bit more sense, right? Uh, let's let's go back to the word. Now, if you are taking down notes, let, let me just help you. We'll just break down the eleven uh, passage, no, eleven verses to four sections. Number one is premise. The other one, uh, the second one, is posture. Third one is proof, and then last one is purpose. So that's premise, posture. Proof, purpose all right let's go to the premise or the foundation let's go back to verse one man says here I am the vine I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser I am the true vine and I my father is the true is the vine dresser so this is the last I am statement of Jesus Christ, right? In John uh, in John's Gospel. He used various figures of speech and analogies. Now to teach his disciples who he is, his relationship to the Father, and his relationship to those who would believe in him. For example, now I am the bread of life. Yeah? You, you remember? I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep, I am the good shepherd, that's not your favorite ube, for those of you who don't know that, sorry, <laughs> no, that's, I am the good shepherd, no, you go to Baguio, you know that, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth and the life. All right, so these are the things that Jesus used to explain to his disciples who he is. Now so what does Jesus mean when he said that he is the true vine? What does it mean? Now what does a real vine look like? Uh, what does a real vine look like? This is what a real vine looks like. Uh, can you see? Do you see? What can you say? about a real vine. It has life, right? It has life. It flow, life flows through it. It produces good and ripe fruits. You see? And those who eat of its fruit are nourished. That's the true vine. Alright? So you can find quality of life in a true vine, in a real vine. So Jesus was saying when he said, I am the true vine, there is life in me. Did you get that? There is life in me. I am the source of life. I give life. I am the life giver. Life giver. You remember Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of what? Eternal life. Jesus is the source of life. He gives life. Uh, he's not saying, you know, I'm, I'm the imaginary vine. I'm the fake vine. Or I'm the fictitious, pretentious vine. No, he was saying, I'm the true vine. Uh, and there's another, uh, one more thing. Now, I want to help you understand when Jesus said the true vine. You know, in the Old Testament, Israel was uh, likened to a vineyard. All right? So it was likened to a vineyard. For example, in Isaiah chapter 5, it is an analogy of a vineyard to refer to Israel. Let's read Isaiah chapter 5. It says here, Let me sing for my... Beloved and my love, my love song concerning his vineyard My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines He built a watchtower in the midst of it He hewed a wine vat in it and he looked for it to yield grapes but it yielded wild grapes that's a sad story of Israel, ba? as a vineyard. And definitely, that's, prob- or that's not your favorite love song, or that's not your Valentine's song, ba? You're, you're expecting love from that vine or from that vineyard, and then it returned a sour grape. Uh, sour grape. So when God saved Israel, or, yeah, when God saved Israel from Egypt, what he did. What they did was they rebelled against him. You remember in the Old Testament, Israel rebelled against God, they disobeyed God, and instead of worshiping God alone, what did they do? They worshiped other gods, and they turned their backs from God. So this vineyard that Jesus was telling, or the Old Testament was telling, it was properly planted. It was cultivated, it was protected, but it yielded sour grapes instead of good ones. So when Jesus was saying I am the true vine, he was contrasting himself from Israel. I am not like that disobedient Israel. I am the true vine. He's essentially saying that I'm not I'm, I'm not going to disobey the, the Father. I'm not going to disobey God. No, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to give Him honor. I'm going to completely obey Him. That's what He's saying when He said, I am the true vine. All right? He was assuring His disciples that He will never fail. All right, To give them eternal life. Let me say that. When Jesus said, that he is the true vine he was saying that he was assuring his disciples that he will never fail to give them eternal life isn't that comforting uh, isn't that comforting he said I am the true vine let's go about it. my father is the vine dresser you know the word vine dresser or Georgos means land worker right land working. in Greek it's land worker so the the vine dresser he is in charge of taking care of the vineyard. So in other words, he's the expert. He's the expert. He knows when is the right season to plant, he knows where's the right season to tend, to clean, to har and even to harvest. Now he also protects the vineyard from wild animals. So uh this is what the vine dresser is. That's his work. Uh, he also said here. Verse two: Every branch in me that does bear fruit, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear fruit. We'll go back there uh, later. So the Father, the vine dresser, the Father is the vine dresser. So Jesus is telling that God is the one at work. God, the Father, is the one at work. It's actually a common theme in in John's gospel. You remember? God is the one working. God the Father is the one working. He is orchestrating everything. He is the one in control. He is the one in control. He is the one providing nourishment. He is the one providing protection. So from preparing the soil, removing the stones, from planting, cultivating, harvesting, God is the worker. Remember that God is the, the worker. So you see, now isn't that a, an encouragement? That God is the one at work. It's not us. It doesn't depend on us. But God is the one doing it. Now it takes away actually the burden from us. The burden of effort to comply. The burden of effort to be religiously clean. Now it takes the burden of effort to be relationally acceptable to God. Because we know that God is the one at work. God is the one at work. So Jesus was assuring his disciples that God the Father is able not just to start, but able to finish the work. Because he is the expert. He is the one doing all the work. Even from these two statements, or just these two No, this statement, is already a very assuring or comforting word. He said that, verse 3, Already you are clean, because of the word that I have spoken to you. So he he was referring to the lesson that he taught during the Passover meal when they washed their their feet. Again, he was telling that his death will wash away their sins. Alright, so... I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Now, when you look at those two words or two nouns, or even when you look at it uh, in actual, the vine and the vine dresser, they may be distinct. One is, uh, one is the plant, the other one is person. They're distinct, the vine and the vine dresser, but they are not mutually exclusive. Let me say that again. They are not mutually exclusive. Why? Because you cannot have a fruitful vine without a hard-working gardener. You cannot have a fruitful vine without a hard-working gardener. So there is a mutual relationship between the father and the son. Mutual relationship. There's a genuine love flowing through or between the two. They are inseparable. You guys, you remember that song? Inseparable. I'm not going to sing that. that, That's how they will always be. Inseparable. Like a flower to a tree. Like words to a melody of love inseparable (laughs) so the father and the son they are inseparable for example in John chapter 14 verse 10 to 11 let me read this to you do you not believe that I am in the father Jesus is speaking here and the father is in me the words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority but the father who dwells in me does his works believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? John 10:30 also, Jesus and the Father are one. I and the Father are one, so there is a mutual relationship, they may be distinct, but they are not mutually exclusive. There's a relationship. And you know, this relationship, there's no beginning and end of this, in this relationship. This is an eternal, intimate relationship. Alright, let me say that again. This is the relationship between the Father, the Son, and of course the Holy Spirit has been like this ever since the beginning of time. Even before time started. That is why this relationship will never fail because doesn't have a beginning doesn't have an end it will never fail so what's our premise now what's our premise here's our premise the eternal intimate relationship of God the Father and the God the Son is the root of our abiding in Christ right abiding in Christ it's rooted on that relationship let's not forget about it everything hangs on those or in that relationship. And you know, here's the good news, right? Let me just say this is this is good news. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they wanted to share it to, to us. Isn't that amazing? Are you excited to share in that intimate relationship with God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Who among you are excited for that? I'm excited. He wants us to share in that intimacy for not just here, but for eternity. So let's go to the second. This is just a very short message. I only, I still have. 15 minutes pa? Okay. Or just, I'm just here for 15 minutes. Okay. Posture, All right? Posture. So knowing, now knowing that. There's an intimate relationship and it's, be, it's God wants us to share in that. What's our posture? What's our position? Where should we find ourselves in? It says here, abide in me. Abide in me. Does it make sense? Abide in me. Verse 4 to 5. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So if you read this from verse 4 to 11, you will see ten times Jesus mentioned the word abide. Meaning he is emphasizing something very important or there's an obvious emphasis from Jesus to what abide in him to abide in him. so if you look closely, it's both an invitation and a declaration yeah. It's an invitation to take part in that intimate relationship abide in me because I'm already now well, I'm, I'm sharing that love with the father he, you share it with me. Or you share with that intimate relationship. Abide in me. It's an invitation. And it's also a declaration of our inability. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Or unless you abide in me, you will not bear fruit. It's a declaration of our inability as well as the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. So he was telling that you are in able by yourself but I am able you abide in me so since the basis again we're gonna go back to the premise since the basis or the root or the premise or the foundation of our abiding in Christ is that intimate relationship we can follow the example of Jesus Christ it's easy but we can follow him how by being totally dependent on the father and completely submissive to His will. Let me say that again. We can follow the example of Jesus Christ by being totally dependent on the Father and completely submissive to His will. So how did Jesus show this love to the Father? How? Verse 9 to 11. Let me read that. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep There it is. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So, how? By obeying His word. By obeying His word. So, abiding in Christ, it means absolute trust. Absolute trust and absolute obedience To his word. Did you get that? Abiding in Christ, it means that Jesus is Lord over our lives. Uh, Is Jesus Lord over your life? You know, it's a shame. (laughs) Let me just pause. It's a shame that sometimes we only follow Christ during our good times. I'm guilty also of that. And uh, we turn our backs on him when are asking, or he, God is asking us to do something that is contrary to our will. For example, if, we, if God wants us to give up a, a, a godly relationship, Lord, no, I'm just abiding with my left hand, not my, with my right hand. Uh, only this part of my life we're gonna, is going to abide, not this part of my, my life. Or maybe he's asking us to forgive someone. No, I hate that person. <laughs> or he's asking probably to get reconciled with someone it's against my will it's, it's very hard Lord or maybe he doesn't want us to steal time from our companies by being late diba? or by going early timing out very early no he doesn't want us. we don't we don't want to submit to his will and it's actually equally shameful <laughs> But we only connect to Him, we only pray to Him when things are going bad. sometimes we just do that, no, no. uh we, we ask God, we pray earnestly when things are not going well, and then we forget about our relationship him, with Him, when our answers are prayed, uh, our, our, our answer. Uh, our prayers are answered. You see, the branches are not called to an intermittent connection to the, to the vine it's not we are not called to an intermittent connection we, are, we abide in Christ in good times and in bad times remember that remaining in Christ Now, remaining in Christ is characterized by an active trusting, believing and obeying remaining in Christ is characterized by an active, not passive or not seasonal. It's an active trusting, believing and obeying. So what's our posture? What does abiding in Christ mean? Abiding in Christ means total dependence on Christ and His Word. How how's your Bible reading? Hmm? How would you know that you are in God's will? You read God's word. Diba? we're not just reading, but we're also entrusting ourselves to that word that we are reading. Lord, I'm giving myself to that word. I'm obeying you. You uh, Many of you know the story. Um, The Middle East is really not part of my plan. Uh, This is actually actually the last place on earth I want to be. (laughs) But still, God called me here. Uh, God called me here. Uh, Actually, I was very happy with my work back in the Philippines. Now It's a good paying job. Uh, I'm serving the church as well there. I have also my small group. We're growing. My family were very happy. But uh, God called me here in Bahrain. I mean, of course, to be with my wife. So that's number one, abiding in Christ. You should be with your wife. Okay, I went here. But our our plans were just actually for a month. I came here with just a month of baggage, a month of uh, clothes. And then sooner or later, I realized that God is really calling us to stay here a little longer. Not just a little longer, (laughs) but four years now, I'm still here in Bahrain. You know? And I think, I, I believe that that's. Me really abiding in Him, abiding and trusting my my life in Him, you know. And uh, good enough, uh, praise God. We've never lacked anything. Uh, we've never lacked anything. You know, we may be going through trials today, uh, right now, but God is the one who's sustaining all our needs. He is meeting every hour, meeting our our every need. So that's abiding in Him. abiding in so what's the proof so let's premise a posture how do we know that we are really abiding in Christ what's the proof verse 5 to 6 whoever ab- abides in me and I in him he it is that there's much fruit that's our proof we bear fruit verse 6 if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Yeah. So, verse 5 and 6, they are parallels of verse 2. Now, for example, when Jesus was telling the, about the fruitless branch, verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, what, what does he do? He takes away. Right? Verse 6 If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away, like a branch and withers. Regarding the fruitful branch, verse 2 says Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You see that? Sorry. Anyway, yeah. Verse 5, whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. So here in verse 2, the word takes away and the word tunes. they have the same Greek word. The Greek word is airo, which means cut, to cut, right? To So however, they're just different when it comes to the purpose. The first one is to cut off or to throw away the other one is to cut clean did you get that the first one is to cut off the other one is to cut clean meaning when you are being pruned you are being cleaned when you are being cut off you're gonna be thrown away so I don't know about you but I'd rather be cut clean than be cut off I'm, I'm sure you don't want to be cut off from God, <laughs> yeah. So pruning, you, you, I know some of you know this. The pruning is performed to control the quantity and the quality of the grapes. So that's what they are doing. They're pruning, and you know what pruning is done in a regular basis. It's done in a regular basis. So what what does pruning means? When Jesus said or what does it mean in our lives no through God's word whenever we read God's word we are being cleansed we read read our Bibles our sins are exposed our sins are exposed and our minds they are renewed we are being cleaned by God's word the scripture you know is God's pruning tool that's his pruning tool to make us more fruitful yeah, are you willing to be pruned by God? Now, if you are abiding in Him, we should be allowing God to prune, huh? prune us, so that we can be fruitful. In what way? In our characters, right? in our characters, that we become more and more like Jesus Christ. You remember in Galatians chapter five, the fruit of the Spirit. Right? So when God prunes us. That fruit becomes more and more evident. We are joyful, we love, we are more more uh, self controlled. Now, when we're driving outside, we are more first disciplined, we are loving to the other drivers, <laughs> those who are cutting us or, you know, cutting us in the lane instead of just God bless you <laughs> one day one day you will hear the gospel so we become fruitful whenever we you know, whenever we read and whenever we abide in God's word and not just being fruitful in our character but also in our discipleship now we follow Christ we fish for people and we fellowship with other believers. So indeed, you know, fruitfulness is the evidence that, uh, that we are totally dependent on God and we are constantly being nourished by His Word. Now, uh, It's an evidence. So you will see the person who knows. Uh, you, you will see that a person who is fruitless or the person who is, you know, struggling with his self-control or his discipline. You check. Maybe you're not reading your word, the word of God. So, again, how's your Bible reading these days? The abiding life is the abundant life. I like that. The abiding life is the abundant life. How many of you want an abundant life? Abide in Jesus Christ, abide in His word. So, abiding in Christ produces Christ-likeness or Christ-like character and Christ followers. That's the proof. We're making disciples. We're abiding in Christ. We're showing characters, change characters or change life. We're abiding in Christ. If not, maybe you're you're having an intermittent connection uh, with the vine. Last, Purpose. Verse 7. Verse 7 to 11. I hope I'm helping you. I hope I'm helping you. This is just an 11 verse. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, What's the goal of being fruitful? The goal of being fruitful is two things. Our joy in God and the glory of God. Our joy in God. Not only that we get to share God's love, but we also get to share the benefits uh, of that intimate relationship between the Father and the Son. Now, for example, when you, your parents... No, when they are sharing they're, they're, they're having an intimate relationship you know? we are the fruit of our parents intimate relationship God wants us to share in that kind of relationship as well you know he said that ask whatever you wish ask whatever you wish it means asking God asking according to God's will Now, it's not according to your will but according to his will I may appeal to you uh, whenever you're discipling someone uh, instead of telling them or more than just telling the other person Christ can give you everything you can say this Christ is everything you need Christ is everything you need the other glory of God joy in God and the glory of God you know no other person in the vineyard deserves all the praise for all the hard work than the vine dresser because he did all the work the father he saved us he cleansed us Uh, he is continuously cleansing us and he will eventually bring us as a harvest and he gets all the glory and honor yeah. he gets all the glory and honor so abiding in Christ is for our joy in God and for the glory of God that's the purpose now let me just stitch that huh? stitch then and may I ask everyone to please stand let me just stitch that together what does abiding in Christ mean? Abiding in Christ means total dependence on Him and His Word that results in Christ-like character or Christ-followers for our joy in God and for the glory of God. That's what it means. Abiding in Christ means total dependence on Him that produces Christ-likeness for our joy in God and for the glory of God. Just give me a few more minutes here because I want to be as faithful as possible to the narrative. You guys remember, this is the farewell discourse. Jesus, you know, not long after saying these things, Jesus was what? He was betrayed. He was arrested in the garden. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was shamed. He was stripped naked. He was spit upon, and then eventually he was crucified. Not because of our sin, not because of his sin, but because of our sins. He was crucified. He died, and then he he was buried. He died. He was buried. The one who said all of these things died. He was buried. I mean that would be a very sad ending. Right? That would be a very sad ending to a very exciting promise. It's kind of short-lived. If we're gonna if we're gonna see it that way, you know. Very sad ending. He died. He was buried. Some of the people will say, Oh, foolish Christians or foolish followers of Jesus you have put your trust in a dead man's word that's disappointing only if Jesus remained dead only if Jesus remained dead after three days he rose from the dead proving that he is the son of God and the Messiah why am I praying? Why, why, what I'm saying is He will not fail. He didn't fail. He will not fail. John 20 verse 31 says, "But this are written, so that you may believe that Jesus is not was. Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ. So that in believing, we will have eternal life. You see, we're not depending our lives. On a dead man's word, promise. Diba? The man who promised this is alive. Diba? We can trust God over we can trust God's word over our family, diba? our marriage, our careers, our health. We can be sure of God's provision, our protection, blessing, and favor. We can be sure of our sins can be will be forgiven. Diba? And we will have eternal life because Jesus lives. We can trust, we can obey, and we can abide in Christ because Jesus lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can abide in you because you are alive. We can trust in you, Lord God, because you said that you are the true vine. You never fail. Thank you, Father, for doing all the work. Thank you, Lord God, that it's, it's not us, it, it doesn't depend on us, but it depends on you, Lord God. And we know that when, we, when everything depends on you, it will always be good. Who can separate us from the love of God? Nothing can separate us from you. Indeed, Lord God, It is a great privilege to abide in Christ and bear fruit for the Father's glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us today about the Father and the Son. Lord, we, we pray that you will glorify in our midst. Lord, we pray we will be able, Lord God, every day abide in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.